guys, and welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. And I'm JJ. How you doing today, bud? <laughs> Buddy, you know, it's funny. We, we, for, for the listeners, uh, we, just, we just had Halloween. Uh, just had Halloween this last week. And so you've kiddo- gained all your weight back and you've eaten all your kids' candy. <laughs> you know, you know, I did. I, I had a few pieces of candy, and then I put it aside, and I said, "All right, you know, that's enough." Uh, whereas, kiddo, <laughs> we went to a tr- we went to a trunk or treating event, and there was this uh, pumpkin drop, which was really cool. The firefighters got the ladder truck out, and they were dropping pumpkins and stuff. And, and kiddo went and sat up uh, on the curb close to where they were dropping the pumpkins, and I kind of stood back um, with uh, another uh, couple that was there for, with their kid, and. Uh, he asked me before he went to the pumpkin drop, you know, where do I put my wrappers for my candy? And I said, oh, you can just put them in the bag and take care of them later. Well, <laughs> later I got in his bag and there were like nine wrappers, nine candy bar wrappers completely yeah. at open. He, he went through nine candy bars in that short period of time. <laughs> yeah, so, that's how I always know how much our kids are going through because they're too lazy to throw it in the trash. So they just throw it back in the bag whenever they sneak it. <laughs> so if you just wait long enough, you can go in there and see like, all right, they ate 13 yesterday when they were supposed to only have two. <laughs> oh, and you always yeah. know too, we always know because it's like uh, when they we finally say, yes, you can go get a piece of candy they're in the pantry for like 15 minutes looking <laughs> quote unquote for a piece of candy we know what's going on they're they're shoving just handfuls in their mouth as they're looking for the candy <laughs> when, when i was when i was young uh we would we would sometimes play hide and seek and we'd go out in the backyard and stuff my parents had a decent sized neighbor or excuse me um backyard and and uh, just kind of nice property there. And um, my dad always grew a garden. And for a while he grew raspberries, uh, but he stopped growing them because he thought that they weren't producing enough. Well, it's because it was a very popular hiding spot for us kids. And we would just pick the raspberries <laughs> and eat them while we were hiding. <laughs> but yeah, kiddo got a little emotional because he ate all that candy that night. Uh, but yeah, we had a great, we had a great uh, um, day that day doing the trunk or treat. But then he also wanted to have uh, mom and dad together with him for trunk trick-or-treating on Halloween mm-hmm. night. And that was in the middle of the week. <laughs> and yeah. uh, while it was reaching the end of uh, eat, reaching the end of trick-or-treating, he asked his mom, can we, when we go home, can we eat some candy? And she says, absolutely. And that was oh, all, God. you know, Uh-oh. was all happy for him. And the next morning I get a text from her. Uh, he's going to be late to school if going to school at all today. He was up most of the nights and she was so, yeah. uh, you know, she was so upset and kind of, <laughs> she was regretting that decision. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, my kiddo loves Halloween. He just really gets into the holiday spirit and I really appreciate that. And if you, if you can see behind me, like the day he came back to my place after Halloween was over, he asked if we could put this Christmas tree up. And I said, sure, why not? So we're already yeah. skipping skipping Thanksgiving festivities straight to yeah, yeah. Christmas. <laughs> my, that's our plan today, actually, uh, is to put up all the Christmas decorations. Our our, ki- our family, too, same thing. The day after, they're like, "Let's all right, Christmas, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was like, let's just hold on for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> to digest the candy, but uh, my wife is with that plan. So that's the plan today is all the spooky stuff is going down and all the holiday cheer stuff is going up. And uh, man, yeah. dude, we had an epic uh, Halloween because the, the neighborhood that we just moved in here, um, 
is one of the top three spots. It's number three in uh, California for trick or treating. Wow! They like close off the street, dude, and it is like a whole extravagant event that you know everybody sits out in the front yard and has these great decorations. And it's like you know, I always like you watch the, those Halloween movies, you know, when we were kids in the eighties and nineties, and everybody's running around and crossing the streets. It's madness. Everyone's you know <laughs> th throwing toilet paper all over, and just everyone's dressed <laughs> up and going crazy and you know there's no parents around it seems all the kids are just out you know and that was kind of like that in this neighborhood because it was every, everybody's just out in the front yard you know and you just kind of let the mm. kids wander and it's and it's all all the neighborhoods here mm. in santa Clarita are all cul-de-sacs you know so yeah, you, you go place. there's only one way in and one way out and you're only coming in really if you live there but this place is so popular they literally bus kids in to come here because there's <laughs> you know full-size candy bars and haunted houses <laughs> And I mean, we spent three hours walking around trick or treating in, in this one neighborhood and just, oh, I had a ball. And it was really the first year that Caden was old enough to really like remember it and really kind of retain the memories from it. So it, it was a good year, man. We, we had a lot. And, but he got so much he couldn't even carry his bag anymore. It was getting so heavy. <laughs> so we went with some friends and 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 their kid and I kept taking Caden's bag and dumping candy into her bag. So just just take it, run. We don't three kids worth of candy is too much candy. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. Like, we, we we didn't we definitely didn't have the epic uh, neighborhoods that you went through, but that sounds amazing. But we did have we did have a number of houses in the neighborhood participating. So so Cohen actually got to pick and choose the house he wanted to go to next. So he, did, he was like, nah, that that house doesn't have enough lights on it. That house doesn't have enough jack o' lanterns out front. So he skipped some of those houses. Whereas who knows, they might have had epic candy. But we did have yeah. one where Cohen was wearing that you know one of those T Rex costumes where you know has the fan running and stuff and you know you walk around and it, it does the funny bobbing of its head and stuff and uh he was dancing for this guy who was playing his organ outside or his, his keyboard outside and you know having kids dance for 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 special candy and stuff so that was kind of cool but toward the toward the end of it the, <laughs> i mean these costumes aren't the highest of quality so toward the end of it like yeah. the, the 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 fan the batteries everything was was kind of fading so the the t-rex yeah. was just like it's <laughs> head down yeah. <laughs> it's like i've had enough <laughs> well brother you're gonna have to come out here for halloween because there was a mm -hmm. jurassic park haunted house mm -hmm. they had they had the jeeps out in the front you know the jurassic park jeeps and stuff and just everything themes like dinosaurs and the the windows wow. all had like these bars on it with dinosaur shadows in the back you know and wow. you go in their garage and they just had animatronic dinosaurs and people in the blow-up suits and toys everywhere and models it was it was cool man uh, fake plants everywhere cohen would have loved it so oh, it was that, that was epic wow. yeah okay yeah well we'll definitely have to consider that in the next year because that sounds that sounds a little bit more up in their game than salt lake city utah but still yeah okay. yeah <laughs> well uh what are we talking about today man what are we talking about Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things that we we could cover in in never be done covering when it comes to you know just being in relationship with people. Um, but one of the things that I think you and I love to really talk about is uh, two things. I think we're we're really we're really passionate about. One's curiosity, and the other's uh, ownership. And uh, one of the things that I see a lot of times, and I I think sometimes I still practice this on, at times, and I want to become better. Which, in a way, my saying I want to become better is in some ways kind of pushing myself away from the idea of taking ownership over it. It's not diving headfirst, but that's distancing language. 
Um, and distancing language can mean a number of different things. Like for one, it could mean, you know, instead of saying, you know, I made a mistake, it could be more like, you know, you know, things didn't work out the way they could have. So I'm, I, I'm not taking direct ownership over it. I'm using a third person kind of way of discussing something that took place. And so that's, that's kind of protecting myself or, you know, maybe not giving myself enough of uh, an ownership over the situation. Um, one of the dangerous things that I see a lot of people do uh, maybe dangerous is strong, but one of the things that I see a lot of people do is say, I could have been better. I could have done better. And then we'll add on top of that, I could have been better, which is very blanket statement. It doesn't actually get to the heart of what took place. And it doesn't get your mind thinking about, here's what I could do. Here's what I should do. Here's how I take the steps to go forward. But um, in addition to that is adding the very popular, but very dangerous word, but at the end. So when mm, we say I mm. could have done better, but, and then typically what follows the, but is specifics and it's specifics yeah. about the other person on the other side of this exchange. Well, I'm so, sorry, but you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it can be with parenting. Uh, I've, I'm certain I've done that before where, you know, at the end of the day, let's say I did not show up in my best form for Cohen. So what I say is maybe something like, yeah, I could I could have handled that situation better. But Cohen was really, you know, he was he was tired, he was emotional, he, you know, he 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 was upset with the dogs, he, you know, and so I'm listing off all these specifics like I've gotten a, you know, a, I've I've created this list in my head as the night goes on, and then everything I've done, I've just pushed myself away from, so therefore kind of essentially place the blame on somebody else, place the blame on my kid. And, and then that gives me the license, or at least it's, it's giving me the pass to say, I lost my patience there, you know, cause I, I, I'm not really focusing in on that. So instead of saying, I lost my patience, Cohen did this. I lost my patience. I did this. And I did this. I didn't show up well for him in this way. I'm instead just saying, because Cohen did this, I had reason to be upset. That's another way to put it. So distancing language for me is something that I'm very passionate about because I think a lot of guys, um, you know, we, we talk with, with guys who've been through divorce like ourselves, um, they'll find themselves in that place. And that usually is a sign of, I, I have work to do, I have growth. And I'm not saying in any way that it's not okay to feel those feelings of hurt and, and sometimes bitterness and anger. Sometimes we need to get through that to, to move toward the area of growth. But I do think it's too easy for us to take the take that route instead of really, really being introspective and learning about what it is that we did in that situation to essentially bring it to the point where it got to, which was, you know, probably not the best point, <laughs> not the best, you know, again, like it didn't go the best way, you know, being very generic in my language there on purpose. So you're interpreting distancing language as kind of maybe a displacement of responsibility or yes. lack of accountability or, or mm -hmm. lack of ownership. You know, that's interesting because when you said you wanted to talk to about this today, um, that's not where my mind went about yeah. distancing language. You know, I kind of had a different interpretation and kind of had some experiences lined up in, in, in my own life uh, that I wanted to bring to the table. But hearing how you're kind of looking at it, kind of interest is interesting to me and a little bit um, surprising um, yeah. because, you know, in, in my experience, I, I was going to talk or what my interpretation is of this would be something about like maybe using language that 
is not conducive towards, you know, uh, coming towards a compromise or a result, uh, yeah. but more is put, meant to put a wedge in between you. Uh, I guess, yeah, it does have a little bit of that, like, lack of responsibility or ownership or displacement mm -hmm. of, but I was, like, more looking at it as maybe, like, a use of language that pushes your partner or communication uh, partner away from you, something that you may... Mm -hmm either intentionally use or unintentionally. Um, and I'll go into a story later um, about my own experience with this, but I, I had a question for you based on your interpretation of this. And, you know, I think a lot of men that are going through this and use, or I don't want to just say men, people, women do it too. And especially kids, you know, God, I have another story I would love to go with, <laughs> in with you in this episode about this recent experience that we just had with our oldest and the kind of displacement and, and mm. that whole distancing language. And we, I yeah. tried to spend all day trying to get her to understand ownership and, yeah. and accountability. And, uh, it was, it was a, it, it was a tricky day to say the least, you know, and, I, and I'd love to talk more about that. But the question that I had for you and, you know, because when I see this play out, I think a lot of people are wanting, expecting, needing gratification, validation, right? Like, a, of, uh, oh, it's so hard to be you. Oh, I totally understand your feelings. And you had every right to react that way because of whatever your butt was. Mm. Right. And we often look for that. And that's all we need in those moments. But the more that we try to seek that and don't get it from our partners is the more that we distance ourselves and t don't take responsibility. It's like, well, if you're not going to validate me, then I'm not going to validate you. So I'm just going to keep butting you and telling you all the things that you did wrong because I'm not getting any validation for how I feel or how I reacted or all these emotions that are bubbling up. So my question for you is, do you think that that validation would be helpful or hurtful in those moments, whether it be a coach or a partner or your kid. Cause sometimes I can see that also maybe backfiring in a way that like validation can also be seen as, well, if I validate you, then I'm condoning that behavior. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm letting you know that it's okay that whatever your butt is, whatever your reason is, it's okay to react that way, that mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, <clears throat> What is the what is the proper course of getting somebody to close the distance, take accountability? Mm -hmm. Is it the validation saying, oh, poor you, I understand you? Or is it the hold on here, like, take a step back, look at yourself and let's reanalyze. And how do mm -hmm. you do that without causing more defense or 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 that lack of validation or need for the validation from the other person? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, we talked about victim mindset in a previous episode, and I think this kind of falls in line with that is, you know, we have to approach this person with an understanding that their their feelings here are certainly, you know, something that uh, that is worth validating. Um, it doesn't mean that I, I see your thoughts on this in the same way, or I, I, see, I see the situation that you're, you're talking about playing out exactly the way you say it, but instead, you know... It, you know, it sounds like that's really hard and, and this is a difficult place for you and you, you experienced hurt in that. Um, and then doing what we, you know, we, we hark on all the time here, which is show that curiosity piece and, and ask questions. Because a lot of times when somebody does try and take the easy out by creating that distance from things, they, they, uh, they, 
if they seek validation and you just give them the validation and, you know, and, 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 you know, and basically get in their corner and say, yeah, you have every right to feel that way. They're not actually being able to self-analyze. But when you ask questions and you dig, you know, you, you allow them to dig deeper. Usually that's the beautiful thing about you know, therapy is, is you're allowing somebody to kind of continue along this line of thinking to the point where they're not just simply operating in the state of feelings. Now they're having to operate in the state of thoughts as well, that they start to most people will typically give more uh, credit to the person involved in the exchange that they're having a conflict with. So the questions that we ask are not, you know, in, in an attempt to try and push them in a different direction as much as it is trying to help them further along to understand the entirety of the story. So, you know, just like that guy cut me off in traffic, what an asshole. And then we, we you know, we can leave it at that or we can... We can ask our questions like, shoot, he's going you know, to see I'm, his dying grandmother. She, yeah. He, you know, or his wife is pregnant and he needed to go to the murder. You know, we don't know. Right. So one, sometimes the simple question to ask myself is, um, you know, I, I would imagine, well, this maybe isn't a question. I would imagine this person doesn't drive in traffic hoping to cut people off. Sounds like there was a mistake being made. I don't think the intent is to try and create an accident with me. Um, you know, yeah, there's road rage, but we're not talking about the outliers here. We're just talking about the everyday thing. And, uh, and, and so I think the thing is, is it's so easy to take the easy out and allow for that, or it's actually just as easy to, you know, to say, huh, I'm really curious about that. Could you, could you tell me more? And, uh, if we do really give a crap about the people who are in a state of escalation or a state of frustration with somebody, uh, if we ask questions, we're doing them a favor. We're helping them further understand themselves in that situation and define the situation. And we're also showing care and love and compassion and validation. We're just not simply saying, you know, yeah, you're right. That person's an asshole. And that's all there is to this situation. Mm. You know, I think that there is a, <sighs> there's a way to go about validation and this compromise without sacrifice without feeling like you're having somebody cross a threshold or a boundary that you've set a place or to give up part of yourself in order to validate somebody or an opinion. I don't think that that often that's what we think maybe validation is. Uh, God, in order, in order for me to have empathy for this person, I need to agree with them, you know? And then if I don't, then it, 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 you know, I'm teaching them something or I'm saying something about what do I agree or not with their behavior? And I speak of this like from a, a recent personal experience that uh, I had with my wife and the way that I guess I'm interpreting uh, distancing language here is, you know, um, we, we got into a discussion where, uh, you know, and I'm okay talking about this. My wife and I are very healthy places and uh, you know, we've, we've uh, had really great talks about this. Um, afterwards. So, you know, I'm sure that she won't mind me sharing, but I'm just going to lower my voice anyway. To tell this story. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the other day we were kind of uh, disagreeing and arguing back and forth. And my wife has a, a, a very strong habit of being a very independent, um, strong woman that she loves. You know, she's she's strong in her opinions, brother. Mm. And uh, some people might call it stubborn. I like to say it's strong strong black coffee it's 
bitter, but wakes you up. Passionate. <laughs> Passionate. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, um, but, and it's what I love about her. You know, I, we literally just had this talk the other day, um, you know, that how proud I am of her for this transition that we've made um, from work. You know, she just, she lost her job and she was teaching for 10 years of her life. And, and now she's kind of looking at a career change and, uh, you know, looking for what the next step is after, after coming off of this thing with the, with the lupus and the losing of the job. And um, she's like, I don't know, do I want to go back to teaching? I don't know. Let me take the year to explore some other options. And she's been killing it, brother. I mean, watching this woman thrive during this time has been like, it's, it's amazing. It's why I love, fell in love with her from the, the second we started talking. I could see this drive and the strength in this woman and all that she had been through and the, the head that she still had on her shoulders, despite all of this you know, stuff in her wake and, and this, this hard stuff that she had been over. She still like had a vision, a goal uh, and, and knew what to do in a plan of action, right? Not just, yeah. I want better, but this is how to, how I get better, you know? And, and it's what I love about her, but also with that, you know, she can get caught up and uh, no, I know best. And this is the way, because this is how I've survived. And I don't need other opinions because this has been working for me. You know, and then she also struggles with it's too much responsibility and I can't take it and everybody relies on me and I always have to be the strong one. Right. And we were having this talk about our strengths can also be our weaknesses, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes that drive and what uh, made me fall in love with her so passionately is also kind of what can drive me crazy in these arguments. You know, she has a hard time letting me finish a sentence, letting me get my thoughts out, listening to what I have to contribute to a perspective, you know, because she just is, you know, tunnel vision. So it can be a little frustrating. And as we were kind of hashing this out and talking about this, I used some distancing language, you know, I, I, and I knew, and I know that this is a word that she has talked about in the past. This triggers me. You know, and I didn't use it intentionally, consciously in the moment to trigger her. I was genuinely trying to express my uh, experience and feelings and, you know, thoughts about what was happening to me and being interrupted and how that was making me feel. And I said, you know, this this feels a little bit like manipulation when I can't speak and you control the whole conversation. And, uh, you know, then it went from a, I want her to understand me. So I'm going to say this thing so that I can let her into my feelings in my world. It turned into like a, well, that didn't work. And I have just triggered her and I said the wrong word and she's taken offense and now all self-defenses are up and she ain't hearing me at all, you know, and defense, defense, defense. So, and, uh, I had to take a step back and, you know, take some time in with my own thoughts to think like, why does that word trigger her so much? And why do we have such different opinions on it? You know, she, you know, where she says manipulation is, is intentional. It's conscious. It's when you have a desired outcome that you want from somebody. So you trick them, lie to them, manipulate them, or use deceit to try to get that intentionally. And I was coming from it more at a, as a place of, I don't, I think that people engage in manipulative behavior all the time and they're not aware of it. They're not conscious of it. They don't know what is manipulative and what is not because that maybe was their standard growing up. That was their relationship experience. They don't, you know, see it as manipulative, but other people might that have had different experiences. So we were 
trying to compromise on that and define that and and give our different perspectives on that, which can be difficult. I see it this way. That's not what it means. It looks this and that can get petty, right? Well, the Google says, Webster Dictionary says, well, Marion says that, you know, and well, there's five definitions and this one kind of contradicts this one. So, you know, and it can get petty, you know, but what I ultimately kind of came to the conclusion of is that our experiences of this are, are, are different. You know, um, that word is, is very triggering to her. She, she grew up in a, in a very tumultuous family with immediate members of her family, ones that struggled with emotional, um, and personality disorders like borderline personality disorders. There was a lot of narcissistic, manipulative, deceptive, lying, controlling, sick behavior from her, her people that were supposed to be close to her in her experience growing up as a child. So that word manipulation is, is very triggering. And she has a very close personal relationship with it that means something to her and her experience throughout her whole life. And I realized that my use of that word and my experience with it came from my experience in my past, in my childhood, and my relationships with my family. And not only that, but my last marriage, JJ, and how that ended and how I operated in that relationship and my own use of manipulation and how at that time, maybe I didn't see that it was manipulation until I started maybe getting into men's coaching and into these groups and talking with therapists and coaches and going, holy shit, that was, I did, God damn, I didn't mean it like that, but I can see how I operated like that and then tried to explain it away like this. And now that I'm in this headspace, I can see it for that rather than, you know, how I looked at it. And it opened up my eyes and my perspective to this word and its definition a lot more clearly and differently. Not for my wife, but for me. You know, I can't define that word for her. I can't tell her what Google says it is or what I think it is. That word means something to her and her experience with it. And it means something to me and my experience with it. You know, and I had to really humble myself and go back and you know, as, as defensive as I wanted to get and as much as in my feelings and as much as I wanted to put that distancing language in between us, I'm not being heard. You know, I, I, I am sorry I said manipulative, but you keep interrupting me. You know, I wanted to go there, JJ. I wanted to defend my position, especially because when it's something that maybe that you're working on a relationship meaning that it maybe doesn't get fixed after one time, you, you know, you have to chip away at it. And most things in a relationship are, you don't go, well, that triggers me. This is a boundary and you do it sometimes. So don't do it anymore. And then you guys live happily ever after, you know, you guys do it again and again and again, and you got to go, that happened again. Oh shit. I didn't mean to, <laughs> you know, I stepped on, I knew you told me that not to do that. And I did it again and I'll ah, shoot, but it doesn't, that conversation never goes that way. Right. You did that thing again. Well, uh, well, you did that thing again. I am sorry you told me not to, but you did that thing. And that's how it usually goes, right? <laughs> you know, and I saw the way that I was using it at her, the word manipulation. 
and what it really meant to me and how I operated and how I used that word because I, maybe I was trying to defend a little bit of myself. You know, well, I didn't, I wasn't manipulative then. I didn't mean it, you know, but it still was manipulation because I see it as that now, you know, and sometimes it just takes that vulnerability and that letting of the guard down and the extending of the arms to close the distance, you know, and mm -hmm. to just say like, oh man, I really fucked that up and I'm sorry I yelled and used that tone and ah, you know, this is not yeah. what I want. This is not what I want. This is, this is what's going on with me, you know, and try mm. to keep the whole but you out of it. And just, this is how I'm experiencing it. This is what I think is maybe going on. And I'm just sorry, period. Yeah. You uh, kind of said it there at the end that really, I think a lot of people uh, in the moment really lose sight of is, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're recognizing the feelings that the other person is experiencing. And then the definition of what it is that uh, brought them to that place, the, you know, the, the thoughts that are going into what occurred are where, you know, the two of us or however many people are involved uh, aren't quite seeing the same story. Um, but that feeling part is like, oh, I really want to give you a hug because I see that you're feeling this way. That's where that's where we really start to break that ground with each other, because um, you're right. You know, <laughs> uh, the w one word can mean something different based on trauma, and uh, we could you know we could dance all night about that and never really you know take the steps the same direction. Um, but the powerful thing is is you know I'd love to hear your 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 full advice example of how you get through that. You know, being able to say, you know, I think that. I when you do when you did this, I think it's attacking my character, and that makes me feel small and I hurt. When you're able to say those two things and separate those two things out, the one person could argue, "Well, I wasn't doing it this way. I don't think it this way, but I do see you're feeling small and hurt, and I want to understand you better because I don't want to." make you feel small and hurt. So we could argue or, you know, debate the idea of how that story looks and how those actions are perceived in each other's heads. But really, ultimately, when we get down to it, like, God dang it, I need to give you a hug. I, 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 I'm so sorry that you feel that way because that's a real feeling. Um, I'd love to hear what, what it is that you got to, how you got to this place of reconciliation and healing after the point of maybe butting heads about what this term means? Well, you know, the beautiful thing that I think is about communication is that there's no one way to do it. Right. And, and I hear a lot of, um, I hear a lot of men and clients say, you know, like I, I've told her everything that I need or want, and she just isn't listening, you know, or she just doesn't get it. She just doesn't understand me. And I would challenge people and argue that, well, maybe you just ain't saying it right, bud. <laughs> you know? Because I do think most people will, will, will give you what you need and what you want if you can communicate it right. You know, but a lot of the times we go in there guns blazing with our tone, with our tonality, with our, our volume, with our, 
ego of what that looks like instead of finding the right words. Because I think that in communication, you have to give a little ground. You have to be, and I don't mean like be vulnerable or give ground in the sense of like your opinion or yourself or your identity. I mean, give ground in the sense of in order to, in order for people to let you in, you have to let them in, you know? And oftentimes we, we want to build relationships on, you know, well, I don't, I, I want to trust this person. I'm not going to tell this person anything until I trust them. Well, how do we build trust? You got it. Someone's got to take the first step. Someone's got to be open enough, vulnerable enough to say, well, let, let me let you into me. Let me, instead of me telling you what I want from you, let me tell you why I want what I want and why I need what I need. And I think there's a lot of power in focusing on that part of the journey in the conversation rather than how can I get this person to give me what I want or how can I get them to do the thing that we need to do or how can I get them to behave in a way that is makes me more comfortable. It's like, well, how can we let them feel safer and more comfortable by finding a different way to say it instead of, but you, you know, maybe it's, but I, you know, maybe it's a more of a, you know, I'm sorry, but you, maybe it's, I'm sorry. I, I think that this is what's going on. I, I feel this way. I'm experiencing this and maybe this is where it comes from. And I think that there's a, a, a just a, a finesse to communication that is missed by most people, you know? So that's what I love about coaching and what we do here, JJ, is I didn't have all these communications. And I was one of the, these people that, that said, you know, she's just not listening. I'm just not understood. We're just not compatible in my last marriage because I'd never felt heard or validated or understood and that distancing language. I wasn't taking responsibility for how I felt or why I felt yeah. it or how I was feeling it or where that came from. I was always looking for her to fix it. I was always looking for them to external forces to make me feel comfortable right. rather than figuring out a way to communicate to other people in the external world, why I was uncomfortable and what I needed. Yeah. Are we in relationship because we want to be constantly told we're right? <laughs> yeah. And some people Dude. do brother. Some people do. And you, you know, know, the uh, thing, thing is, and they don't know like, that they do. Well, right. And, but I mean, if we just simply ask us, ask ourselves the basic questions, like, why are we fighting? Why is this person arguing with me? I hope that I hope that there's an answer in there that is similar to this and that's because they're that's because they care and they want to get to a better place with me rather than, you know, uh they're there because I need to be I need to be built up and even if it costs them their, you know, their emotional well-being, you know, as long as I'm getting what I want, then this exchange is good for me. Like that's that's not a partnership. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people miss is how they, how they go about that apology, you know, a passive approach is something like, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Is that the best we can do? What, how, how does that, how does that advocate for the other person? How about this? You know, well, I don't need you to be sorry for how I feel. I need you to be sorry for what you did that resulted in me feeling this way. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's really easy for somebody to feel like I don't want I don't want to 
I don't want to compromise my ego on this. So I'm going to say, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way because then, Hey, I'm kind of just giving you back all the responsibility and the weight of this situation for you to deal with because, Hey, I'm sorry. You're feeling that way. Clearly I'm doing fine. And you're the one that's got some shit to work through. That's not an apology that really gets to the heart. Yeah. We we've all, uh, gotten and given those apologies, right? I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. And it always feels like you're shorted in some sense, you know, like you got some change back, but not what you're supposed to, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I did hear the words that I asked for, but it seems still a little displacement that, you know, you're sorry for my feelings, you know, rather than, than actions that, that, that you did. And, and I think that, that, uh, a lot of people use that language, right? Mm -hmm. And man, what is the harm in just switching that around? Well, I like, think what again, does it cost you to rearrange those words in it that I'm sorry, period? Just well, we maybe if you can't even say take the responsibility of I'm sorry because I did this, can't we just at least like chip away at that with different communication of I'm sorry, period? Mm -hmm. You know, why do we have to add the but you? That you felt that way, that you reacted this way, that you didn't do this, you know? It's why can't we just what what does it cost us, JJ? What does it really cost us? It's just that it's that pride. It's that ego in there that says, no, I need it. I need her to know that this is still not all on me. Yeah. You know. And the problem that that I think a lot of us struggle with is that, you know, I mean, it goes through a lifetime of trauma and uh, imbalance of the two. So if we get in our heads, we tell ourselves that if I if I do, you know, uh, decide to take ownership and say, I'm sorry for this and just own up to my part of it. Um, the flip side of that from pride is shame a lot of, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So ah, I screwed that up. I'm such an idiot. So mm -hmm. even though I was fighting with you 10 minutes ago, now I'm fighting with myself right now because I'm such an mm -hmm. idiot. I can't do this right. Well, so, that's the cost of pride, right? Correct. If, is if no one wants to buy your pride, then what you get is shame at the mm -hmm. other end of that, on the other side of the coin, right? Because that's like what you're trying to defend with your pride is that shame. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be shamed. So you got to be extra prideful. You got to stand tall. You got to defend that, protect that, you know? And and when someone takes away our pride, it's, oh, sh that's shame yeah. on the other side of it. And too many people, too many of us believe it's one or the other. It's, you know, mm. if, if, I, if I'm not in the right, I'm in the wrong. And therefore, I am a failure. I'm a failure because this person's not seeing seeing it the way I'm seeing it. Or it's a failure. I'm, you know, it's a failure. This this person's making this a failure. We're making this a failure. It's it's leading to destruction. Or I'm a failure. I'm, I screwed that up again. And this this why would this person want me? Um, and the beautiful thing, of course, is you know when we tr when we truly practice that, uh, you know. Um, uh, dare I say the opposite of distancing from, from the issue. We, we instead embrace, not embrace, but we, we take full responsibility for our part and we're able to actually define that through that, you know, uh, a really effective apology by, by pointing out what it is that we did wrong, how we want to focus on doing better and being truly remorseful for it. Like that's the most powerful component of this is after, you know, we're never going to agree on everything. So when you can come together and actually say about the other person, I see you, I, I hear where you're coming from. I, I hurt that I hurt you. 
And I want to do, I want to do something to make this right. I, here's the things that I'm going to do to make it right. Am I missing something? Is there something I could do to help make this right in the best way possible? That is the most powerful form of, you know, strength in yourself. And then of course, uplifting your, your partner and your relationship. You know, you asked me earlier, uh, how does, what do I say to men or how do I catch myself in these moments to switch the language and use a different way? Or how do we use those tactics? And I just lost my thought. Dang it. Oh man. Jane, Jane. ADHD. I asked, I asked you um, earlier. <laughs> oh, I got it. Wait, no, I lost it again. No, oh, there we go. Oh, oh. Uh, um, well, I'm sorry yeah. that you can't come up with your answer. <laughs> I got it. 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 Um, you know, and I've mentioned on past podcasts, uh, my superpower has been when I feel these things that, that need to protect the ego or the shame or the embarrassment or the, I'm just not being heard or I want to apologize, but you know, explain myself when I feel those feelings instead of giving into that or leaning into that. Throughout my experience, I've learned to realize that those aren't red flags, but green flags. You know, instead of like red flag behavior, you're about to do it. You're about to lose it. Your ego, run, stop. Don't be this guy. It's more about like, well, okay, something's going on here. There's the bell, the radar, the sensor's going off. Something is happening here that you are not comfortable with. Why are you not comfortable with it? Stop asking why they are making you uncomfortable or why that they're not, they're not willing to understand your discomfort. Start asking why you're not willing to understand your discomfort and let's get in touch with it. You know, and that is a powerful deflation of the ego for me. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking simple, JJ. There's nothing you have to do. You don't have to, you know, wake up every day and put an hour into, you know, a thousand reps of that. You just have to be aware of that and be willing to, in those moments, catch that. And brother, that again, it's not a switch. It doesn't, I didn't just wake up and be like, well, the, it's a green flag now and I'm just going to do it every time. Obviously I still have <laughs> hiccups. That's why my wife and I got into this because my ego was like, no, protect you, protect you. And it took me a day of separating and us kind of, you know, getting a little carried away with our tones with each other and having to separate and take the space for me to remember, oh shit, that's right. It's not a red flag. It's a green flag. Fuck. I forgot yeah. that again. You know, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's right. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing where we can get to know what's going on with Coley emotionally, psychologically, and what's going on with me and why this is an issue for us. You mm -hmm. know, not why this is an issue for her, but what's going on here. And that is the thing, man. If we can get guys to just realize that it's a place to start, because once you're uh, just aware that that is the secret to the sauce, you can start chipping away at it little mm -hmm. by little by little by little. We can start sanding down the sculpture until it's something that we can look at as beautiful, you know, and it, it, that it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it does take waking up and having a thousand reps a day. You know, with talking to you, with reading books, with journaling, with having moments of gratitude and putting in my exercise. By the way, if you are looking to get in on a routine diet, <laughs> make sure to check out Cleverly Fitness and Coach Ray King because I've lost 15 pounds and I feel great, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, whatever your, your thing is. So it, we just have to be willing 
to chip away at it. We don't have to be willing to completely uproot our lifestyle and change who we are fundamentally and how we've operated. We just have to be willing to experience curiosity with ourselves rather than defense. Yeah. And in and, and the green lights of those situations where you recognize that one of the best things you could do with a partner is to say, hey, the, the story I'm telling myself here is this opening up the door to the communication to return to you saying, I here's what I'm feeling, experiencing. And I wanted to share that with you because I trust you with this to respond in a way that helps me see this more clearly and to understand where you're coming from. Um, so including them in that once you once you've had that story in your head and you feel those green flags to, you know, if this is a partnership, being able to explore that with them in a safe way by first saying the story I'm telling myself, not trying to, you know, say, well, you did this and I'm now I'm feeling this because of you. You're saying, well, the shoot, the story I'm at least telling myself is this. And that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I, I think I need to explore that. What do you what do you think? Hmm. So how do we do this with our kids? How do we get them to take ownership, accountability, and see this? Because um, I told you I wanted to share a story with you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, kind of through the lens of parenting with ASD during this. You know, again, once hearing you talk about your interpretation of distancing languages, uh, the accountability and ownership aspect of it, we, we struggled with that. Uh, with, with, with ASD in our households, you know, um, and, and I was trying my biggest thing, JJ, as a parent, I want my kids to feel safe and comfortable coming with me. I don't want to be just a distant disciplinarian or a consequence handouter. You know, I, I don't want to be the authoritative figure, although I do believe that the role of parenting does require that at times. I not all the time. We have to be able to finesse it in a way that our kids are comfortable and honest and want to tell us when they do things wrong, right? So last week, uh, Naomi says, Coley, I got something to tell you, and I don't want you to be mad. If I, if I tell you, will I not get in trouble? You know, and, I, and I've kind of said, you know, if, if you come and you tell me before you get caught, you know, not that I won't give you consequences, but they'll be less severe. You know, but the kids here, there will be no consequences, no matter how many times we've reiterated the fact and tried to redefine that consequences are natural and they do happen. And there will always be consequences to bad behavior, especially if you do the bad behavior more than once. You know, I will be more lenient if you come to me and, and want to talk about it the first time. So she said, Coley, I, you know, please don't be mad. I promise I won't get into trouble. And I was kind of like in a hurry to get them out the door and go on to the next thing. So I was just kind of like, okay, what? I was already planning on not giving them the consequence, whatever it was, because we had to go, you know? And uh, she said, I stole my iPad last night and the charger, she comes, sneaks into the office you know, and takes the iPad and the charger. And then she stays up until God knows what hour under her blankets playing it until it dies. And then no wonder why she's been so chaotic, emotional and tired over the last week, you know? So I said, okay, you know, like, don't do it again. And we w went out the door. Well, the next night she, she did it again, JJ, you know, and it was kind of one of those same moments where going out through the door and, Mama was kind of in there and, ah, well, whatever, you know, don't do it again, you know? And, uh, yesterday happened again, JJ, you know? <laughs> so mama, uh, said, okay, you, you've lost devices for a week. 
Mm-hmm. And it, that turned into a full day meltdown mm-hmm. of begging, crying, please, mama, no, please, please. And then one week turned into three weeks, JJ, because we could not get her to understand, like, all you need to do is stop talking and stop telling us no when we tell you something, you know? But everything was, no, but I, no, please, mama, but I don't want to. No, every single thing, all day long. We could not get her to understand that all you need to do is stop disagreeing. You just have to say, yes, mama, yes, Coley, and then (laughs) we go on about our day. Like, you're not getting power today, kid. I'm so sorry. But you broke the rules. You knew it was wrong. You did it three times. We let you off the first two. We have to stay, you know, focused, calm, and persistent about giving these consequences, which again, it turned into three weeks because she just could not handle the, she did not understand that she could not yell or talk to us in that tone or argue with us in that way. And I take responsibility here, you know, because uh, we were lax on the, the, the handing down of the consequences the first couple of times. <laughs> and I've created this environment of like, come openly and honestly, and you won't get as hard of consequences. So like, it's been tricky for me to navigate and get her to understand the ownership piece of this because yesterday was all about you guys are the worst. No one loves me. This is your fault. And we kept trying to tell her, like, no, Naomi, like, you were given opportunities. You were told it was wrong. You were told not to do it. Been given several warnings. You still did it even after that. And now you're still getting into trouble because you're not. We're telling you that this is going to happen. And you keep saying it. You know, if you say no or you argue again, you're going to get another day. And she was no, but she just could not accept responsibility or understands that these were natural consequences to, you know, because then it turned into, well, I'm not eating lunch. She wanted to just sit on the couch and cry. And we were eating lunch before we went on this, you know, over to grandma's house. So she cried on the couch, missed lunch. And then when it was time to get into the car, she started freaking out that she didn't eat and that we were horrible parents. And she was going to call child protective services on us Mm. because we're starving her kids and, and abusing them. And, you know, And then she argued with that until we finally got her into the car. And then once we're in the car, she was upset because she didn't have any books to read or anything to keep her occupied for the hour and a half car ride, you know, and it took all that car ride to explain like, look, you didn't want to eat lunch. We told you that this was going to happen. We told you that we weren't going to let you eat until we got there then. And you were going to be hungry. You chose to do that. We told you to stop complaining about the lunch and go get your things for the car because you'd be bored. And all you wanted to do was complain about lunch. And now here we are in the car. And all you want to do is complain about how you're bored and don't have anything. These are choices you made. But she wanted to say, no, it's you gave me the consequences. This is your fault. You did this to me. So do you experience this, JJ? How do you how do you communicate the ownership Oof. and responsibility in this situation as a parent? Oof, okay, well that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> so let's 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 solve this in 20, 20 uh 25 seconds. No. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I learned about uh pretty quickly as a parent of a kiddo who's you know neurodiverse is consistency is so damn important Mm -hmm. and i 
And I and pretty much every parent in this world is not very good at consistency. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing about consistency is it's hard, JJ. Yeah. It's hard to do. And yeah. you got to do it every day, every moment. Because we're emotionally <laughs> fragile people. And we get triggered by our kids who are trying to, you know, get their way a lot of times. Let's just be honest. Our kids are like, how can I best be, you know, get this situation to go to, you know, my advantage? So our kids are sometimes more focused on how they can get what they want in a situation. And therefore, we're going to get triggered by that because parents want to have some sort of peace and calm and, you know, things go smoothly. And and our kids are going to always be there to remind us like, hey, I'm a kid. I'm not going to I'm not going to allow this smooth sail to ever be smooth or, you know, really in a sail. We're just going to be bouncing along the waves all the time. And uh, so I I think the thing is. And I'm not giving you as advice as much as I'm speaking to what I've, you know, learned and what I fail at miserably all the time is that, yeah, being consistent and providing our kids the opportunity to have expectations um, and ownership over the situation. Like one of the things you said is, you know, um, you did this, you did this, and this is the consequence like that, that in some ways tries to pull away, you know, the, the power from, from our kids um, and, and they feel that and they, they fight against it, even though it's not necessarily what they're doing, because we're talking about, we're talking about here was what we wanted from you. You didn't get that. And now we're in the situation of discipline. So they're not back, you know, like two or three steps. They're right here in this moment and they're not getting what they want. So how do we, how do we shift perspective on that? Uh, it takes a lot, of, a lot of consistency and, mm -hmm. and agreements, so when a kid, you know, let's just say we'll, we'll do easy things like, all right, so you know that eating too much candy is, is not actually good for you, right? So what do you think we should do in that situation? If you get, if you ate too much candy and we said, you know, obviously two candy bars yeah, for lunch is not a good lunch. And then you have a conversation, you know, maybe you come to an agreement with the kiddo that looks like this. Hey, I, uh, I ate two candy bars, even though I know I shouldn't have. And mom and dad and I agreed that uh, for the next three days, I don't get to have candy. And what do you do? You stick with it every single time. You're like, oh, but I really want a candy. Come on. Come on. It's, you know, it's a special time. We just had a really good day. Can I please have candy? Well, you know, we got to stick to the screaming or, or, you know, yeah, I mean, it has been special. So I think we can give it to you. Okay. Kiddo says, all right, well, I just realized that worked for me. I got what I wanted. I'm going to try the next thing. And they're not actively thinking that, but they yeah. are always trying to find cracks yeah, in yeah. the, in. Yeah. And so, so the thing for me is, is like leading by example um, and providing consistency giving great power and strength to their individual choices and their understanding of I, if I do this, I should expect this because this is the agreement. That's our best approach. And the most, <laughs> most important thing I'll always tell to people, tell people with this is this, it's never going to go exactly the, the way you want it to. And it's going to be hard, but if you stay consistent, you will create a discipline in your kids that will pay off in probably a few years. It won't happen right away. <laughs> 18, 18 to 30 at most. <laughs> yeah. But, but when you have that conversation and you back and forth, you, you know, you say like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I hear you. I, 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 I like where you're coming from with this. If I do this as a parent, you can call me out on this and this should be my consequence, right? Yeah. I agree with that. The more we give our kids the ability to speak 
and you know come up with a contractual agreement, the greater chance we have in that consistency piece to pay off in the end. It's not going to go perfect because sometimes kids just want what they want in the moment. And I get that, but it doesn't mean that that consistency piece is just thrown out the window and we lost. It does mean that we have an opportunity right there in front of us to get through the hard stuff because the best stuff comes later and it'll eventually be easier. I swear to God, it will be. It's just, you know, I heard somebody say something similar to distancing language recently where they said, you know, ah, I tried this, you know, I don't know what to, what to do. You know, you know, I'm really patient and everything. And we talked to our kid about this and, and it still became a big argument. Well, my thought is, wait a second, that last part, it became a big argument. If you were being patient and, you know, and, and calm in the situation, where's the big argument? Is it, is it coming from you? Because that's, that's part of an argument. If it's just one kid, bitching about how the situation didn't go down the way they wanted it to, but you stay consistent and then you follow up with them and they go, Oh, I, I, yeah, we agreed to that. Yes. I understand. They might still be upset, but at least you're consistent. You're showing that, um, you know, that adult in the room who's trying to protect them in the situation and, and keep them, you know, not keep them in line, but essentially keep them to the agreement. They'll come around. Kids are smart as hell, man. So they, they will. Yeah. They will. Yeah. So it's not it's not advice to you as much as it is advice to the whole world, including myself. And I always I always want to remind everybody, like, I say this stuff and I know there's a lot of truth to it. There's there's a lot of great truth to it, but that doesn't mean I'm practicing it so well. There's a lot of times where I screw this up royally and exactly, then I pay man. for it. <laughs> you know, and to, to speak on that, you know, we're, we're not perfect. You know, even in, in these coaching and mentor positions, teaching men how to do this, we, we still have hiccups, right? And that those are, again, the green flags of where we learn what, what needs improving in our lives and communication in, an, in our intimacy and relationships. And just like with kids that need repetition, it also takes repetition with our partners and our spouses and ourselves, you know, over and over and over again. We still need to be taught, especially on things that we don't know. You know, and that that takes a, a patience and and a, and a persistence. Um, and I think that oh, I lost my thought again. Well, I'll say but, this much then: when we when we start to say, you know, you did this and you did this, this is the consequence. We strip them of their power. And when we say, you know, yes. I, I I saw this, and we you know we have this agreement on this you know on this contract or whatever we call it. Um, so therefore, we you know we we put that consequence in order. That gives our kids the opportunity to be heard and uh, to also to be reiterated of the fact of what it is that the consequence is. Yeah. So I, I yeah, pulling the power away from them does really you know it does really cause them hurt and con- confusion in the situation, and they they don't feel hurt. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just uh, I could really see that um, that Naomi was was struggling with that yesterday. You know, she, she was being told no all day and all in the car ride. And when we got to grandma's house and she was out there playing with her friends, uh, the friends that she was playing with, Naomi got a little into her, you know, uh, ASD uh, bossiness and was kind of telling everybody what their roles were and how they should be playing and where they should be. And, you know, she was kind of the dictator and they, I could, I was watching them play in the front yard and kind of watching this unfold. And I could see that the other kids got a little, you know, tired of being told what to do. And uh, they said, you know, they would say, no, we don't want to do that. You know, and Naomi was very persistent about wanting her way of play. 
And they finally got to a point where it was just like she was invisible. They just kind of ran around her and she, Naomi wouldn't listen to her nose. So they just kind of uh, played around her. And I saw it and I wanted to intervene. I wanted to say something, you know, and, and I did eventually, like I had a follow up with her, but I just kind of had to like watch it because we've been have, trying to have a lot of conversations with her about this very thing, you know, uh, she, at school, she's been experiencing a lot of the same things. And we've tried asking like, well, are you, are you being bossy? Are you telling everybody what to do and how to do it and what to play? And no, no, you know, of course, but here I'm watching it play out in front of me. And, you know, she seemed very deflated when she came back and, you know, and I just kind of held her and said, you know, I know today's been very hard on you, sweetie. I know it's very hard to feel like you have no control and that you can't get the things that you need or want, you know. So I still stuck very firm and calm in my consequences, but also offered that validation and empathy, you know, that it was hard for her, especially in her her child brain and her perspective and limited experience of what is happening to her body and her brain and her heart at the moment, you know? So we just, I think, need to uh, Im implore some of these things for ourselves and in that patience and persistence. So uh, thank you, buddy, for talking to me about this. I know you got to go. I know you got a, 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 a <laughs> se secret hunt date that we, we shall not talk about uh, through the sake of uh, respect and privacy. But if it goes bad, man, we're going to just drag her <laughs> through the mud on this podcast. Okay, so just let her know. Let her know that she's going to be uh, talked about intimately all aspects <laughs> of this journey of your relationship on this podcast. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, anyways, I, was, I had planned to end it on a different note, so I'm going to just try try this. But uh, I, I get a little too personal for you, bud. Sorry. <laughs> You're blushing. No, I, I appreciate what you said, what you said, you know, with, with Naomi, and it does become challenging and we, we feel for our kids and. Uh, I was, I'm listening to an audiobook on high functioning autism. And, and uh, one thing that's sometimes hard to embrace is the idea of, you know, the challenge that we experience through having neurodiversity. Um, but the simple thing that was was said was, you know, if you take away the ADHD or the ASD, you know, you're taking away the child that you know, too, mm. because mm. this is the world that they've created for themselves. This is the this is their identity, not their identity isn't autism their identity is who they are mm. through that through and that, yeah. uh and and wishing that away is something that just doesn't you know doesn't compute this is where we're at and uh mm. finding a way to create a beautiful world um with them is is so powerful and i wouldn't want it any other way when it comes down to it because this is this is life this is what i this is what we are regularly putting effort into and what we we truly i truly un unconditionally love my kiddo and that will never change so what do I need to do? I need to constantly put in my best efforts because I give a damn. And uh, if I if I were to take that away from him, um, or you know, give him give him a pill that would change who he is, like that yeah. sounds that sounds like one of the worst decisions I could make. Um, sure. You know, I would only want to give him something that would help him be the person that he's designed to be. Um, so yeah, that that's something that stuck really really uh, hard with me. Um, made me think a lot, and I just appreciate so much about being a father, um, to my kiddo, um, ADHD, neurodiversity, whatever it is, um, man, I'm just, I'm just grateful. So this is an opportunity for us to continue to work with our kids. Yeah. They give us some hell and they really are persistent with the no or, or wanting to have things go their way. But 
you know, they're still fully invested in being able to work with us and go forward in the best way possible. So I'm honored. I am honored to do, to, to, I am honored to do life with you, bud. Likewise, my friend. <laughs> I don't know what happened there with the mouth and the brain and the muscles, but, uh, but, uh, thanks guys for listening. I, I hope you got some stuff out of this episode. I know I sure did. I, I sure do love these talks with you, JJ. Um, but have fun on your, uh, your, your little secret date there. And I look forward to hearing about it, bud. So does our audience, right guys? So make sure you hit the like button if you want to hear about JJ's date. All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And this has been the ADHD.